right, guys, this is the mailbag. I am Marcus Speller, and I have with me Andy Brassel. Only joking, it is me, Kate, dropping in while Marcus Speller suns himself somewhere lovely, I expect, possibly Wales. What do you reckon, Andy? You're ever so confident this week, Marcus. Ever so confident. <laughs> uh, have you been Have you been roasting today? Would you say, or um, just struggling with the the weight of the Ramble community amusement at your uh, pronunciations? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we like to uh, we like to breach new vistas at the football ramble, and I very much am on board with being part of that. We're very lucky to have Andy Brassel with us today, actually. Brassel is a hassled Brassel a little bit, aren't you? Because you're about to go and do a big, a big job this evening. So you just snuck in a little broom cupboard to tell us your thoughts. Thank you. It's um, my pleasure. It's a lovely broom cupboard. It's uh, at least 10 degrees colder than the outside world. So we can't oh, complain. so jealous. Well, we're, we're not quite in, in the region of... Uh, potential Las Vegas throat issues like happens to the boxers when they're out there um so so I feel good I feel good and also tell tell the listeners what um what you've got on your mic uh what have I got on my mic um Do you not oh, know? I've, I've got yeah I've got a, a I've got a mic cozy uh that I liberated from the FIFA World Cup Russia 2018 which Gosh. is uh very nice Subscribers really get all the big news, don't they, Andy? Like your your, your little kleptomania because habit. Because you made me say it. Because you made me say it. We keep that Confess. off the free one. <laughs> all right, let's skip in so we can liberate you from your cupboards. Uh, to what Tom has been saying on the Discord, he says, Andy, saw this tweet by the Spanish Football Podcast. Monchi seems to have found success at Sevilla again. This is obviously with a win against Wolves fully in our mind, wondering if he's going to, if they're going to go all the way and win the Europa League. They've had massive success in that tournament before. But he says, do you think his success at Sevilla, but perceived failure at Roma, or perhaps quite real failure at Roma, shows that he was unlucky at Roma or that he knows Sevilla as a club better and he's better off being there, basically. What do you make of that uh-huh. one? Well, firstly, I think you meant to say the excellent Spanish football podcast, for it is excellent. Um, <laughs> uh, it's an interesting question. And um, I think the, the first thing to say is to get it out of the way. Yes, it's clear he does know Sevilla a lot better. He spent um, pretty much all of his adult life uh, working there in one capacity or another. Um, bear in mind, uh, he was the reserve goalkeeper when Diego Maradona was playing for Sevilla back in in 92. And they became very good friends. Maradona gave him a Rolex. Um, You've never given me a Rolex, Mace, but, um, you know. Look, I'm getting through them gradually. There's a lot of ramble. There's a lot of people in the ramble now, right? And, you know, I've only got a limited number of Rolexes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not a goalkeeper as as well, it has to be said. Um, In some respects, in the ramble you are. I think that probably is your role. I always thought of myself more as a midfield shuttler, actually. No, I think you save us sometimes for making undesirable cock-ups with your great knowledge. 
really oh, okay mm. okay i'll take that i'll take that um so it's it's, it's clear that monchi uh, is uh someone who's difficult to separate from from Sevilla. Remember, they persuaded him more than once not to go the first time before he decided he would like to go um, a bit further afield and, and, and try a club, try, a, a, I guess, for want of a, a better phrase, a, a big club. Not that Sevilla is not a club of standing. Um, and he's had a huge part in, in, in making that reality. Um, but, you know, a, a traditional uh, grand of Europe, if, if, if you like. Um, and um, the, the way it ended, particularly in Roma, didn't, didn't reflect well on him. And um, Jim Palotta, the now ex-owner of, of Roma, didn't spare any of his thoughts on, on, on Monchi when he, when he went. And, um, you know, he said how he'd um, really gone off topic and thrown various people who he's working with, in, including the board, un, under the bus, really. Um, but... I, th I think you've got to bear in mind that Roma is a volatile club and has been financially volatile for a number of years. I mean, this is the reason they got him on board in the first place, because he was someone who was going to not just help shape a great team, but make money while he was doing it. And um, that's why I think Monchi, you could always have argued, would have been of limited use at um, Manchester United or Manchester City or any richer than God type club because there's not the imperative to save and make money um, that there always was at Sevilla and that's how he shaped his reputation you know by um, turning um, sow's ears into silk purses um, I think you go back to um, not just a Danny Alves for example who he bought for under half a million euros and turned into one of the greatest right backs in the history of the game or allowed him the conditions to turn into one of the greatest right backs in the history of the game and then sold him for a fortune or players um from that youth team that, that they, they helped shape um you know and you can go from Sergio Ramos to, to, to Jesus Navas and many many others uh Ivan Rakitic another good example they're, they're trying tentatively to to bring him back to Sevilla at the moment which I think would be a, a really great crowning prize on on what this terrific season is has been so I kind of felt that as well as Monchi making mistakes um he was kind of there to be shot at in many ways. Um, but he did I, seem I, I to make... If... Sorry to cut in, Andy. He did Go seem on. to... They were seemingly... Are you saying that you're, you're always going to make some errors if you're doing a job like that? And as you're saying, trying to cut your cloth to, the, to what the club has available? Because with Roma... Mm. Um, their loss, they posted their loss of the first of nine, I mean, featuring the first nine months of the season, featuring the pandemic, okay, but it was a big loss. It was over a million euros. And some of those players that they, that they have on their books due to Monchi or had on their books due to Monchi, um, Stephen and Zonzi, Patrick Schick, I mean, yeah. those seem to be errors of judgment. Well, you could you could you could argue so definitely, and um, I, I think the, the Schick one's a really interesting one. I think that's one of the key ones in, in when we we look at Monchi because he's a player who they felt they had to have because he was a generational talent, but they had no plan for him. That they had no exactly. um, idea yeah. of where they were going to put put him in the team, and and that is something that is very un ish 
I, I, I think it's, 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 it's fair to say. And it was a, a pretty expensive mistake, even though um, when he eventually goes to RB Leipzig on, on a permanent deal, they will recoup a lot of that money that they actually spent on him. And he has proved he's a good player. So it's clear there's nothing wrong with, with Monchi's eye for a, for, for a player. Um, but I do feel in, in a way, he's like a convenient human shield for the board because they knew they were going to have to make cuts but you know you look at um the way things have changed for them huge part of that is that that midfield moving on and that midfield that was good as pretty much any midfield in europe of daniele de rossi whose uh, legs were starting to go kevin strokeman who as he's proved at marseille is pretty much the same and rajan engelan has hardly torn up trees since he left and you know that was so much of what went wrong for Roma the fact that those guys who there was sporting case to to get rid of were incredibly influential in the dressing room and moving on from there was was always going to be really really difficult we have to say as well if we're talking in terms of legacy um what Monchi did do is get a good price for Rajan Angolan who's not really proved himself to be particularly worth it since even though I love him as a player he's you know not looked great in, in, in those two years since he's left Roma apart from you know some patches in which he's been good for for, for Cagliari this season which is completely different to either Inter or, or Roma's needs he got back Nicola Zaniolo in that deal who if you're talking about generational talents I mean if Roma wanted to sell him tomorrow they could charge a fortune for him even in this post-pandemic transfer market so I think there's, there's, there's definitely a cultural gap between what Roma wanted and what they really wanted from him, what the club wanted from him and what the supporters wanted from him, which I think are two totally different things as well. But I think he's, he's shown that since he's back at Sevilla, um, you know, the old powers are still intact. He's constructed pretty much a new team this season. I mean, they've gone into a lot of games this season with eight, nine starters who, who weren't at the club this season. And yet they've qualified for Champions League and gone deep in the Europa League, which is a really extraordinary achievement because I think sometimes because they've been so successful, particularly in Europe, we can forget um, the, the, the sort of status of club that the Sevilla are. They're not, they're not a massive club and they're never going to be uh, a, a Paris Saint-Germain or a Juventus or a Manchester United or anything like that. Um, I think as well, we have to bear in mind that um, quite apart from the relative volatility of Roma, he did have some advantages in that first spell at Sevilla. Like, I think when you go to the back end of the Manuel Jimenez era at Sevilla, and then on from there, so if we look at, I don't know, say 2009, maybe for sort of two or three years after that, um, the, the, the signings aren't good and they don't really work out mm. but if you compare him with comparative sporting directors of the time say Pantaleo Corvino uh, um, Fiorentina when his signings stopped working um, Fiorentina simply got rid of Corvino they said look we've had a great time and now it's over whereas the relationship with Sevilla and Monchi was such that they stuck through him with him through that dry period and they came out the other side and then they have this other really successful team under Unai Emery. And even when things go a bit wrong under Jorge Sampaoli, you know, they still managed to keep that 
that market going and that way of trading players going. So his legacy at Sevilla is absolutely unimpeachable. I think the Roma thing is something that I would love to discuss again in in five years' time because there's a lot of nuance to it, I think. And I think it's very particular to where Roma are were, or were at the time as well, as, as, as well as him. Um, but yeah, one of the great, greatest sporting directors of not just this time, but any time. Oh, Andy, as usual with these things, I feel so educated about, uh, about all of that. So thanks for that answer. And hopefully uh, Tom does too. It sounds as though you think basically Roma, it wasn't as big as a disaster as, as it was perhaps made out to be. He showed, as you pointed out, that he had a bit of an eye for talent still. You know, that was not lacking. And then he's in his best place uh, when working with Sevilla. So, yeah. Oh, and Tom has found it. Bottom line, Kate, do I get the Rolex? Well, uh, Tom has found an opportunity to educate you too, by the way. So it's not all take, take, take. He says, um, P.S., it's roster. (laughs) (laughs) I I get the impression you're rosting me a little here, Kate. So glad we've solved that, uh, the, the roster question that is, obviously. Um, Andy, says Lee R. It, oh, he wants to ask about the Bundesliga. His, his angle on this is related to Hertha Berlin, who says, um, which is a bit of a, uh, an area for him. It looks as though Hertha are the front runners to sign USA international Weston McKenney from Schalke for a fee of just 25 million euros. Reports seem to be saying that Schalke desperate for the money. I was just wondering what are the big issues financially facing some Bundesliga sides like them and what could McKenney bring to the Hertha side? Cheers. Okay, so, I mean, this is in the context, obviously, as well, this 25 million euros, as we have to always remember, of coronavirus and perhaps inflation, mm. deflation, depending on that. But but he's talking more specifically, I think, there about about Germany. We remember, of course, as when we talked to Simon Cooper, that his view was that, you know, the Bundesliga had to get out in front and start playing before anyone else because they're the more financially vulnerable of all the clubs, all of the big clubs in Europe. So, yeah, what, what is the case there? What's the situation with the financials? Um, well, Schalke's case is, is, is quite specific. Uh, they weren't in great financial shape anyway. Um, they've had a couple of problems really um, in the last couple of years Um, fluctuation in terms of fortunes on the pitch which means obviously fluctuations in receipts depending on whether you're getting European competition or not Um, the fact that they've been through a couple of coaches uh, the fact that um, they've paid some kind of huge wages down the years and I, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. It could either be a lot better if they'd managed to hold on to, say, Leon Goretzka, for example, rather than letting such a valuable player like that run out, run out of contract and, and go to Bayern for nothing. Or when they were making a last-ditch effort to keep him, the fact that they offered him 10 million euros after tax a year, and they could still be paying that. And let let me tell you, uh, obviously it might have gone a lot better on the pitch if he'd have stayed, but um, 
you know, they in their current situation could not be paying anyone that. Um, so that would be a, a huge issue. And clearly, they're they're trying to make the squad younger. Um, you've looked at Daniel Caligiuri, who's really been one of their outstanding players over the last couple of years, and definitely a big game player. Has, has gone to Augsburg because they they just wanted to get out from under his his contract and want to rebuild with 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 sort of younger players. And that's where they are at the moment, Schalke. It's a, it's a rebuild. Now, McKenney's a, a tricky one, really, because ideally they would like to keep him. They think he's captain material and they would love to build around him. They're in such a financial situation at the moment, Kate, where they can't really pick and choose. Um, but they're they're going to have to make some money and it's that simple. Um, they were... I, th- I think the first Bundesliga club, definitely one of the first Bundesliga clubs to say um, if football does not start happening quickly during the pandemic, mm. we're, we're, we're going to be in massive trouble. Um, dear fans, if you will not claim back the money that you're due on the games that you're not going to be able to get in for, for, for the rest of the season, we will give you a free scarf free shirt we can yes, t- just take neither we can just take neither of those and and give us the money that would be nice um and it's, it's interesting to hear um clemens turney is the now ex uh, chairman of schalke who's still the chairman for uh, most of this 1920 season having absolutely disgraced himself at the, the, the start of the campaign by um, making a racist statement for which he only took a suspension rather than stepping down for. Um, he's been using the situation to try and push the agenda of a, a, a restructure in terms of the club's governance. Um, now, that's something that has, has been on the table for a while. That's something that I imagine will probably be pursued going forward. Um but the reason, one of the reasons that David Wagner has kept his job, for example, is not just because he understands the club and its needs and gets that Schalke is a very specific club, but also that he's prepared to stay on knowing that their sporting ambitions have completely changed. That um, They're going into next season thinking, well, normally it's the aim to make Europe. Now we just want to try and build and save a few quid. Uh, anyone who's watched them play will see... It's not, yeah, it's not, I mean, I know Luke sort of come to think of them as slightly, well, some of their performances were slightly um, on the side of of joke, weren't they? Really, you know, that opening day of the restarted season, 4-0, battering, it it didn't set the tone, or it did set the tone, I should say. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, the, the thing is that on its own is is fine i I mean obviously for schalke losing 4-0 to dortmund on paper is is not fine but the fact that they rather stupidly continue to attack dortmund when they were losing bless them yeah that's fine you know as long as you die with your boots on that's that's something that is is respected by the schalke fans i don't expect to win the league every year in fact obviously that having been the original pre-Bayern giants of German football that they've, they've never actually won the Bundesliga so um, you, you know it's, it's, it's something that, um, that, that they've uh, that basically is having a rethink like that this is pretty drastic though because saying that we're not even going to challenge for Europe when you get 60,000 fans in every week 
it's enormous. It's an enormous thing yeah. to, to, to come out with. So obviously holding on to Wagner is, 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 is partly that because, you know, he's someone who connects with the idea of the club and what it's about and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, th- I think this is a tricky sell, especially when you're not only um, not only not winning, but not playing great football as well. Now, I think what Wagner did towards the end of the season was very politically astute. The way that he brought in quite a few more younger players, for example, I, th- I think that they that they managed to do that was 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 something really interesting because then all of a sudden from being the guy who's um selling like really dreadful football but no one wants to watch he's someone who's playing i mean katuju and jan bozdian players who could be the stars of the the future that they could be the next you know leon goretzka's or mesda ozil's or 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 whatever it's an easier sell than guido bergstaller like plodding around up front as if he's been hit by an elephant dart so i i think that that is really what they've got to hang their hat on but like i said the, the the other strand of that going back to liar's question is the, the thing that you want to you want to build around McKenney, you want to build around ozan kabak but are they going to want to stay for no european football regardless of the fact that you desperately need the money and we know that even in this post-pandemic world Hertha have got more than most and they want to build a team that's a young team as well. I mean, they could have had Gertzger, they could have had Draxler, um, but they're not so interested in the names anymore. They're actually interested, and they showed when they bought Luca Toussaint from Lyon, in building a team that's a genuinely good team, not just about the name, but about the game as well. That's hugely exciting, though, for anyone watching the Bundesliga, as we are all now aficionados. Um, not just you, um, but all of our colleagues as well, which is, is lovely to see now. I know we need to skip on and let you out of this cupboard, Andy. So let's just um, briefly head into ooh, a, a gentleman, I think, called Mason. Um, that's how he's written his name on the Discord anyway, which is cool. I'm I, I, you, I, basically. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, yeah. I'm new to the Discord. I just joined today, so I... Yeah. Hi, Mason. <laughs> I don't know if we're related. Um, what transfers do you wish had happened, he asked. My first thought around this is always, what if David Beckham had gone to Barcelona? Obviously means Ronaldo likely goes to United, which is also something I can't imagine, but would have been amazing. So this is like fantasy, it's like fantasy football, but in the past. <laughs> well, nice. One of, one of my uh, favourite ones was there was a huge story when I was about like, I guess it must, I must've been about 13, 14 when Wimbledon were moving uh, from Plough Lane in 91 yeah. from, uh, to, to, you know, semi a semi-permanent home, Selhurst Park, you know, it, it's just temporary. It's not temporary. <laughs> um, to, to, to sweeten the pill. The idea was that they were going to bring over a young Argentinian striker to lead the line called Gabriel Batistuta. Stop it. That would Amazing. have been fun. That would have been fun. Oh my goodness! For me, I always think about like the transfer. I was what, imagine what would have happened if Spurs could possibly have held on to Gareth Bale, because obviously from that mad spending spree, subsequently we got 
a number of players that perhaps didn't make the grade and then also Christian Eriksen who obviously did but I just would have loved to see him work properly with uh, Pochettino into that era when um, well into last year feels like a whole nother era doesn't it do you, do you ever allow yourself the thought of you know Maradona at White Hart Lane in oh, the of course in the yeah strip? I try and keep yeah. it realistic though right <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean you know we did have yeah anyway superstars exist they just um they just leave. Um. <laughs> this is something I, w- I want to give more thought, actually, uh, Mason, because I'm, I'm sure there were a lot. I mean, Lars Sivertsen, who's a regular with us on, on the continent, of course, he was always yeah. so, so keen on uh, Edinson Cavani going to um, Atletico Madrid. And there were so many reasons why that seemed to be the perfect transfer. Yeah. Very, very Simeone type of striker. Um, you know, he loves the physical side of it as well. He would have been absolutely fantastic for them. Now, it, it seems, and maybe it's even completed by the time that you guys are, are listening to this, Ramblers, um, but it seems that he's going to go to Benfica because mm. they're going to give him um, a longer contract than anyone else in Europe is happy to give someone of... Of, of his age but hey they're getting Edinson Cavani and they're Benfica so um, that's a pretty fantastic transfer for them yeah and I always think it was sort of torturous seeing old Edinson having to constantly be moved a player of his stature to be constantly moved around the flanks of, of I mean that literally and metaphorically I guess the flanks of PSG just so that they could have another blockbuster player well, it just it's, seemed it's, a bit beneath the man of his, his ability I, I would agree with that, except it's, it's fine to move around wherever if you're Edinson and you're on horseback, as you always <laughs> seem to be at the moment. <laughs> oh, what a glorious visual image to leave you ramblers with. Um, thank you so much for listening to this. Sorry, it's a slightly shorter one this week, but we have, we must let Andy Brassel go out and speak to the nation. Mustn't we, Andy? Yes. Not the, not the nation, the world. The world. The world. I apologise. What greater job. Um, and we will catch you guys again soon. And we'll get to uh, some of the questions we sadly missed on the Discord this week. But thanks for having me in the mailbag hot seat. And uh, thanks for supporting the Ramble, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Fernandez, four on three for a moment here. Cavani, brilliant! And that is simply stunning. Any angle, any situation, he can find a way to go. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.